with me in your Bible, Psalm 42. We'll find our way over to Psalm 42 in a minute. I don't know if you realize it, but I don't conspire with the worship team before I speak. But quite often they'll come out with the main verse of the message before I ever get up to preach it. And I just want to say this, that tonight whenever, I guess it was Diana launched out with Psalm 42, I'm telling you the fear of the Lord came on me. The fear of the Lord came on me and, and butterflies hit my, hit my stomach. They were more like pterodactyls. You know, th- I mean, it's just not, I mean, it's intense. It's wild. God's so kind and he does these things and drops little hints to us. But man, it's scary. He is in charge, beloved. How do I go in, in my prayer times? I mean, I didn't talk to Diana all week and she comes to the briefing. I found out, I said, hey, who brought that verse? She comes to the briefing with the verse. And I said, you know, I'm in my, and I'm thinking I'm in my prayer times and I'm doing my thing. And God's speaking to me something to speak here on Sunday night. And there's Diana off on her side, you know, and, and she, we don't even see each other. She's in the night watch. And God's speaking to her the same verse for the meeting. I don't know. It's scary. He's in charge. Just one of, you know, I just kind of had that feeling, whoa. Like, God, you're real. Yes, I am. You know what I mean? It's like, no, you're real. I know. Oh, I mean, I really feel like you're real. Yeah, I've been real since eternity passed. But I mean, it's just, ugh. It's like, I mean, you ever feel full of freaked out by the Lord? It freaked me out. Just with that little thing. I mean, it happens all the time. It just freaked me out tonight. Okay, good. Let's just pray. So, Lord, we love you. I love your ability to freak us out that way. I love that you are absolutely in control. There is a tremble in my heart for what you want to do with the community like this. So what I'm asking, you'd release revelation to us. Draw us in again, God. Draw us in again, God. You are in control. You are the great sovereign I am. Brood over this house. You know every person's business. Now I would, Lord, that you would speak, you'd thunder to each of our hearts what it is you desire to say to us. Holy Spirit, great teacher, instruct us tonight. How we love you. How we love you. Good in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, I'm going to start a series called The Satisfaction of the Soul. And I want to talk about what we traffic in our soul, in our in the realm of our soul. I, I think we have um, a lot we can come to understand about what moves uh, what moves us and what moves in and out of our soul and how it affects how we live. And so I want to talk about that tonight. Um, I was in Florida two weeks ago at my uh, grandmother's 100 year birthday my grandmother turned 100 
two two weeks ago. Yeah, it was unbelievable. And uh, it was such a unique weekend. I had the privilege of speaking to a woman who was a Holocaust survivor. And, um, yeah, it was just unusual. I probably spent more time in one three-hour setting with people 90 and over than I've ever spent in my life. And, uh, but it was, it was fascinating. And, um, they, you know, the stories that they tell and the, cl- the clarity and the wisdom that's coming off of them, and just, it was just fascinating. So um, my whole family was there for my, for my grandmother's birthday. And um, we had some free time and, and such. And uh, so there was uh, Saturday afternoon, everybody was doing different things. Many were out at the pool. Many were, you know, going shopping and and my wife was, um, you know, she had, she had a book, and she was out in a hammock by the pool. And uh, she said, you want to come out? I said, I don't think so. I think I'm just going to, you know, hang out in here. And uh, it dawned on me after about four hours that I'd been in the hotel room weeping and praying and crying while the whole rest of my family was out at the pool or out shopping doing something cool. It dawned on me something was the matter with me. They're all outside. It's Florida. I mean, it's not, you know, 40 degrees. It's 80. And it's wonderful. And it's beautiful. And I've got the blinds drawn. I've got it as dark as I can get it. I'm, you know, I've got, you know, Misty Edwards playing on repeat in the room and just weeping. And I'm thinking, I'm messed up. I am messed up. Normal people don't do this. And so I am, tonight, I want to bring... I'm going to endeavor to bring comfort to everybody that feels like they're messed up. If you don't feel messed up tonight, this is not for you. But if you do feel messed up, I think I can help you tonight. I um, was realizing that all the earth, all of humankind, pursues happiness. We all pursue happiness. We have this... Uh, inbred DNA that draws us to find happiness. And the challenge is is that we interpret happiness in such strange ways. We interpret happiness by a feeling that is so subjective and fleeting that we really don't even have a good framework for what real happiness is. I want to be happy... Therefore, I must do something, or I must be something, or I must have something. And most hearts are pursuing this thing called happiness. In fact, if we did a poll in the room and I said, how many of you are just not, you just do not want to be happy at all costs? I mean, nobody's going to vote. That's me. Everybody wants this thing called happiness, but it's so shallow and so, like I said, so subjective. Who can define for you what's happy? What's happiness? Who can define it? Is it the same for you as it is for the person next to you? Yet, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness and the desire for domestic tranquility and this language that it frames the way that we live in this nation. We would be at peace, at home, and happy. And I just think that there's just this um, challenge that we wrestle through of what is happy, what is um, 
you know, restful, what is reasonable in life. But those thoughts are so subjective and they end up being defined by the masses and they try to be defined for you and people try to feed you something and tell you, if you'll do A, B, C, and D, you will be happy. If you'll make six figures, if you'll own your house, if you have this kind of a car and drive this, I mean, wear this kind of a clothes, you will be happy. If you'll have this many friends or if you'll go to this kind of a movie or if you'll go and, you know, ex- you know experience this, this experience. Maybe it's, you know, alcohol or drugs or maybe it's a sporting event or maybe it's the theater. You will be happy or Maybe if you go outside and you look at nature and you go to the beach or maybe if you, you know, get, go sit on the mountain and you look at the, you know, the, the scenery and the clouds and look at the flowers, then you'll be happy. But who can define happiness for you? And isn't it funny people spend their whole life looking for happiness and they don't find it. Ouch. You know, Solomon had something to say about that. I want to um, just look at this verse in Ecclesiastes 6. We'll get over to Psalm 42 in a sec. Solomon, I mean, do we understand who Solomon was? The wisest man that ever lived, the richest man that ever lived, and a thousand wives and concubines. I mean, if you do the math, you know, and let's just be real. What, what men and, and women long for, this guy had wisdom like, you know, Confucius. He had, you know, wealth like Donald Trump. He was like a Hugh Hefner in his day, and he had governmental authority like our president. All wrapped up in one guy. Solomon. He had it, Beloved. Kings and queens of other nations, they were coming over to see his business because it was so unbelievable. And the Bible says this, that when he, when he increased the number of, of wives that he had, that he began to marry foreign wives, and when he married the foreign wives, his soul turned away from the Lord. And when his soul turned away from the Lord, he began to build altars to foreign gods, to Moloch and Asherah. And he began to engage in the worship of foreign deities. And and the Bible says this, even he he began to worship foreign deities even though he had seen the Lord twice. The wisest, richest, and he's got, you know, a harem, and he's, I mean, quote-unquote, got everything that people think will make you happy in this man turns and he's seen God. He's had the heavenly encounters. Spiritual. And this thing is powerful. Look what Solomon says in Ecclesiastes 6. A man, verse 3, may have a hundred children and live many years. Yet no matter how long he lives, if he cannot enjoy his prosperity, he's talking about happiness. And does not receive proper burial. In other words, people don't identify him as one who's left a legacy. He goes, I say that a stillborn child is better off than him. He talks about the child in verse 4. He goes, it comes without meaning. It departs in darkness. And in darkness, its name is shrouded. Though it never saw the sun or knew anything, it has more rest. It has more rest. That's a key phrase. More rest than does that man. Even if he lives a thousand years twice over, 
but fails to be happy, enjoys his prosperity. Do not all go to the same place. He goes, all man's efforts are for his mouth, yet his soul is never satisfied. Because a man will live his whole life feeding his desire for happiness. Feeding that thing that's compelling him to be happy. Yet his soul is never satisfied and he never finds rest. I think it's powerful commentary from a guy such as Solomon. I think it really narrows down the pathway to happiness. I think it really gives us some insight to understand what is this thing that happiness really is? Who really knows what makes the the heart happy? I think at the end of the day, if people figure out what they're really shooting for, I think most people are shooting for this, rest. They're shooting for rest. The guy that's trying to get wealthy is trying to get wealthy, why? So he can buy a beach house and retire and be at rest. The guy that's trying to get powerful is trying to get power so he can get a bunch of people that will serve him so he doesn't have to run around and he can be at rest. The guy that's trying to live his whole life for pleasure, he's believing this lie that if he can heap himself up with pleasure, he is going to feel so much pleasure until his heart is at rest. I think at the end of the day, people that are searching for happiness are searching for rest. I think Jesus identified what this is. Happiness, this fleeting idea of happiness, I think he identified it as this, rest for your soul. Rest for your soul. He goes, take my yoke. It's easy. My burden, it's light. He goes, you'll find rest for your soul. I, I am just looking at, our, at us as a people. I'm talking about just human, humankind in Western America, Western mentalities. And I'm thinking, who has rest? in their soul who's got it if I could bottle that up and sell that in a pill we could fund the prayer movement because really all the medications that people are prescribing right now for people that have you know psychoses and mental maladies and whatever they want to diagnose you with really what they're saying is if you'll take this you'll get rest for your soul Medicate it because it'll give you rest. Because if you don't have rest, you're not happy. And if you don't have rest, there's something not right with you. And that's the message we hear. If you're not at rest, something is wrong with you. What's so funny is the very people that are telling us that message are the very people that know deep in their heart they're not at rest either. Who's at rest? These are the things I was thinking about that day when I was in the hotel room. I realized that there's something within us. It's called our soul. And our soul is craving and longing for rest. It's craving rest. It's craving quiet and it's craving comfort our soul is it's longing and what we'll do is we'll do like what Solomon said we will feed our mouth we will feed all the things of our life that don't bring rest to the soul 
And he goes, and the person that lives their whole life feeding their mouth and never getting rest to their soul, he goes, it's better to be a stillborn child than to be that person. He probably knows what he's talking about because he's been there and done that. I was just thinking, we try every means of recreation, every means of entertainment, every pursuit of finances and pleasure, power, popularity, believing those things to be the means to satisfaction, yet do they bring rest to your soul? They don't bring rest to our souls. And so we do something as crazy as this. We get a little room, we get a bunch of musicians, we play the same worship songs over and over and over, to a God we can't see. You know why? Because he's great, but 27 other reasons. But you know why? Our soul gets a little rest. I talked to a guy who's a billionaire. Say it with a B. Billionaire. He had lost a daughter. Over time, she'd degraded in her health and he had worked for big companies ones if I named them you'd know them and he was not just a little floor sweeper he was with one with a C in front of his name and an O at the end C something O and that guy that billionaire while his daughter was dying and they couldn't do anything for him and he couldn't buy her health he couldn't buy her healing that guy would fly to Kansas City and sit in a trailer that smelled like mildew and listen to little 19 and 20 year olds strum guitars that they were out of tune and not even doing very good. Because he said it was the only, he could go anywhere in the world. He could go to any vacation spot in the world. He could go to any spa, any resort, any mountain, any scenery. He could go any place in the world. He could buy anything this world could offer. He's a billionaire. So the only place he could find comfort for his soul was sitting in the back of that little prayer room. What was happening? He was connecting to this thing that is the pursuit of every person's life. Rest. Rest for your soul. The only pathway to satisfaction for you and I, the only pathway to satisfaction is a pathway that brings us to rest for our soul. You know, Psalm 23, it talks about God is a shepherd. He leads us beside still waters. He restores, restores our soul. How? By leading us in paths of righteousness. See, Jeremiah said it differently. Jeremiah 6, he says this. He says, find the ancient path. Go and stand in that way and go in that way. It's the good way, good way and you will find rest for your soul. And Jesus quotes Jeremiah and he says, take on my yoke, take on meekness, get the spiritual violence of meekness. Living this life in humility is the pathway to rest. Most would believe this, I've got to muscle up, I've got to be strong, I've got to gain, I've got to, you know, ascend in power. And then I'll be in that place where I can have rest. Jesus says, no, 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 there's a whole other way this. I will shepherd you and lead you in a path of righteousness. That path of righteousness will lead you right into meekness. Humble because you're afflicted. Meekness, that's what meekness is. He goes, and that is the pathway to true happiness. 
rest for your soul. So I come to find out this, that, you know, while I'm shooting for rest for my soul, I'm sitting there in uh, this room, and uh, everybody's outside, and they look real happy. And I'm in this room, and it's dark, and Misty's singing about the mountain of myrrh, and death, and I'm weeping. But you know what? I come to realize that for me in that moment, the only place that seemed right, that felt right, was weeping over the mountain of myrrh. Not out there trying to, you know, see if I can do a flip off diving board or buy something at the store. See, there's this place of rest for our souls, beloved. That we, we have to have, that's what, that's what he's talking about in Matthew 11. He's talking about spiritual violence, the violent that take the kingdom by force. And then he gives us the, the commentary on rest for your soul. And there's this spiritually violent mentality where you'll say, I will give myself to a pathway of righteousness that will bring about true meekness in me. And therein is rest. For me in that moment, the only thing that seemed right, the only thing that brought rest was weeping and longing and mourning. See, the person... Ah, let's look at Psalm 42. We'll read that and then I'll, I'll describe this. Am I communicating at all? There's all sorts of states of the soul. The Bible goes through so many of them. It talks about a hungry soul, a thirsty soul, a weary soul, a loathing soul, a grieved soul, a loving soul, a longing soul, a mournful soul. And David, oh, thank God for David. I mean, thank God for the Psalms. Oh my gosh. What if we didn't have the Psalms? What, I mean, what if it like went, oh my gosh, what if it went right from Job to Proverbs? Oh. Oh. I'm, I'm, I'm grieving over that. Whoa. We end up Job and go right into Proverbs. Eek. Thank God. Thank you, God, for David. Thank you that you exposed this man so we could have courage today. Ah, oh, look at verse one, Psalm forty-two. Here it is. Your book you may say it's a song, a psalm for the sons of Korah. I've I've studied it, looked at it. I, my opinion is this: he wrote it for the sons of Korah to sing to, to, to the chief musician of the sons of Korah. But it's, I believe it's clearly David when he's fleeing from Absalom and he has to leave Jerusalem. He's the king and he leaves Jerusalem and he goes past the Jordan. And David is writing this, I believe, from past the Jordan after he's fleeing from his own son. He goes, as the deer pants for the water brooks, so pants my soul for you. So pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. 
When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night. While they continually say to me, Where is your God, David? Aren't you the king? Your son. He's defiling all your concubines in front of everyone, David. Where is your God? You might have had a prophetic word some other time. I mean, yeah, maybe, you know, back in the day, yeah, Samuel prophesied over you, but look at you now. And it's in that time that God raises up Shimei, who's throwing rocks at David. He's cursing David. And David, instead of retaliating, he goes, no, maybe it's the Lord that's caused him to be raised up against me to work God's purposes. The idea is to work meekness in me, even in this. I I believe he's quoting Shimmy there. Where is your God? He says, when I remember these things, look at this, I pour out my soul within me. I pour it out. For I used to go with the multitude. I went with them to the house of God. He's talking about the tabernacle of David. He's talking about night and day prayer. He's with a voice of joy and praise with the multitude. We kept a pilgrim feast. We were keeping the feast of God. We were doing night and day prayer and the multitudes were singing and rejoicing. We were doing IHOP. It was awesome. But now I'm under attack and God has raised up this one, this adversary to throw stones and I'm longing for God. And he goes, why are you cast down, soul? Why are you disquieted within me? I want to show you a progression here. David says, my soul is panting. Then he says, my soul is thirsting. Then he says, I'm pouring out my soul. So the panting, thirsting soul turns into the soul that's being poured out before God. And then he says, my soul is cast down. And my soul is disquieted. You know what a disquieted and cast down soul is? Disquieted, unquiet, it's loud, it's restless. It's wrangling about within you because it's not getting rest. That soul, that's, it's being poured out, it's longing, and it's, it's thirsting for God, and it's gone to this place of, of being poured out. Have you ever been poured out? You know what being poured out feels like. It feels like day and night my tears have been my food. It's that. I'll tell you what it is. It's blessed are those who mourn. We don't, we don't much have an appetite for that, do we? Because we want Happiness. Come on, I want happiness, brother. No, I guarantee you, there's blessedness in the morning and there's comfort for you after the morning. I guarantee you. But we don't even, we, we have a very difficult time having a palate for this, that when you're mourning, it is the best place you can be. It is the best place you can be. When your soul is disquieted because you've been longing, because you've poured out your soul to God, you've been aching, and you've poured it out, and you're mourning, that that's blessed. It's blessed. David, day and night, my tears have been my food. 
What does that look like? You think he's waxing eloquent? I think he's cried through meals several days in a row. I think he started wailing because his soul was poured out and he was aching and longing for God at a measure that was disruptive to his life. So he actually was crying and crying and crying and not eating. He was involuntarily fasting because he was aching for God. We have a difficult time with that because we love the going with the multitude and rejoicing at the pilgrim feast. We love that, but we have a very difficult time with the longing soul unto this. It's thirsting and it's then poured out and it's disquieted. It won't rest. Do you ever live wrestling in your heart? You just can't quite get it right inside and you just, I mean, you pray and you just pray, 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 pray and you get up from praying and you go, I just feel like I gotta pray because your soul won't rest. What is it? It's called being disquieted. It's called having a cast down soul. See, I think this applies to some people here tonight. Many spiritual people with a true God-given longing in their soul will believe that something is wrong with them. They will believe that they should be at rest rather than wrestling. And they should be blessed and at peace rather than being disquieted. And I want to tell you this, if your soul is wrestling... And if you're disquieted in soul because your heart is longing for God, you are in great company. You are in the company of the saints and the cloud of witnesses. And I tell you, David is up there going, little fella, little gal, little guy, if you could have seen me drinking tears for food, you would take courage. Take courage. See, the disquieted soul, it's not a sin problem. In fact, the disquieted soul, it's not a problem at all. It's the result of hunger and thirst. We want hunger and thirst and peace in my soul unto blessedness in God and revival. But it doesn't go that way, beloved. It goes hunger and thirst. So we want the moment of hunger in the meeting. Like, you know, the moment when the praise and worship goes real good, we go, oh, now I really want God right now. Come, God. We want that version of hunger unto being immediately filled. And we don't realize we try to pop God in a microwave. God goes, no, I think I want you to wrestle a little bit. I want you to get real hunger. I want you to get ache. I want you to get something that no one can talk you out of. I want you to have an experience and desire that causes your soul to not be at rest so you will long for rest for your soul. And when you long for rest for your soul, you will be compelled to a pathway that will lead you there. But if rest for your soul is easy come, easy go, I guarantee, I guarantee you will not traverse the path to get you there. But if he tweaks you, and disquiets you 
and causes you to long and your soul is cast down, there's a whole different sense of pursuit of a path of righteousness from that place. I want to tell you something. You're not losing your mind. Just say it again. You are not losing your mind. You're touching hunger, maybe for the first time ever. Real hunger. You know, we, we miss lunch and we go, man, I'm starving. But the little boy in Africa that hasn't had a real meal in six months, has Erasmus and his stomach is full of poison, he knows what hunger is. We don't. God, what he does is we, you know, we get the, the moment where we want God in the prayer meeting. We go, oh, I really want you right now. And he goes, okay, let me take that, multiply it by a thousand and introduce you to longing in your soul. Because I really want you to have real hunger, real hunger. And it might take this, messing your soul all up, causing you to be disquieted. God will invite you to be downcast. And what happens is this, is we have dissonance in our soul. See, dissonance are when you have two notes that don't work together and make a bad noise. The disquieting of the soul is dissonance inside you. See, you want it to have a resolution. You want the notes to land right. You want peace. You want rest. God goes, let me give you the gift of dissonance. So you'll pursue rest for real. And I want to tell you that a disquieted soul is currency in the realm of the spirit. It's painful, but it's productive. And our own soul knows it has a capacity for the divine. It knows that it has a capacity for the divine. Our own soul witnesses to us, there's more. And what happens is this. You desire more, but you're aching and longing for God. There's a little zephyr of of heaven touching you, but the dissonance is this. I am made for so much more, and I am dying because I've only got this much. And your soul is witnessing to you the variance. That's called walking the ancient path. That's called being led in a path of righteousness. Why? For his name's sake. He's such a good shepherd. He wants to give you rest. But he doesn't want to give you the fake version. He doesn't want to give you the human, you know, carnal version. He wants to give you the version that has eternal significance and value to you. He wants to give you comfort, peace, not like the world gives. He wants to give you something that's real, beloved. So then he invites you on a path that's real, and therein is the pain. You're not losing your mind. Psalm 116. 
David explains to us the path in Psalm 116. We brush over the words of David. Oh, but man, does David not help when we are in these places? Look at David, verse 1. I love the Lord, but I love David too, Lord. Look at David. He goes, I love the Lord. I love him because he's heard my voice and my supplications. Because I love what the Lord does. I love how he leads. I love how he comforts. I love how he blesses. Oh, I love the pain that he takes me through. Because I love the Lord. Can we say when we're in that place of pain, when we're traversing the path of righteousness that's painful to us, can we look in that place and it's painful and our souls are aching? Can we go, I love the Lord. I love how he leads. Because I love the Lord. He's heard my voice. He's answered my supplications. How do I know? He's inclined my ear. He's inclined his ear to me. He goes, and therefore, I'm going to call upon him as long as I live. You know what God does to David? God takes David through the dissonance of soul, the disquieting of his soul, the pangs of death, hitting David's soul under this, that David goes, I'll find myself in the place of prayer forever. Forever. See, God's touching you with dissonance. God's touching your soul with being disquieted. Why? Because he's inviting you into comfort forever. Something more than just right now, beloved. We've got to get off of our quick fix mentality and decide that if we go into longing and mourning, it's more than a little bit of God that he's trying to give you for that moment. There's something bigger going on. I'm preaching to myself. Therefore, I will call upon him as long as I live. I'll call upon him as long as I live. It's the pangs of death. He surrounded me. The pangs of Sheol, they laid hold of me. What are the pangs of Sheol? Abraham and the rich man. The rich man was experiencing the pangs of Sheol. David goes, I felt it. I felt death. I felt pain. Pain. He goes, I felt it for real. Like it was going to kill me. He goes, I found trouble and I found sorrow. I found sorrow. Then I called upon the name of the Lord. O oh Lord, I implore you, deliver my soul. Deliver my soul. I'm aching, I'm longing, I'm pouring out my soul to you, O oh God. I'm in pain, God. Deliver me. God, deliver me. He says, gracious is the Lord. And righteous and merciful is our God. The Lord preserves the simple. He goes, I was brought low for a time. He brought me down for a time. And then he saved me. Then he took care of me. Look at verse 7. Hey, soul. 
return to your rest. For the Lord has dealt bountifully with you. Hey, soul, be at peace. God is for you. Hey, soul, why is so downcast? Anchor yourself to hope. He will be the help of your countenance. What's David saying? He goes, he's going to make your face radiate with beauty. I guarantee it. He goes, soul, I know you're in pain. I know you're disquieted. I know you're poured out. Soul, I know you're longing. Soul. Find rest in God. See, we touch pain and stuff. This place of prayer, and we're longing for God, and we start really touching hunger. And it's that place when you start feeling crazy, start feeling disquieted within, that most pull right out of. Give me normalcy. Don't give me a God I can't see, is the answer. Give me 60000 a year and a car payment and an apartment and for real, give me something that I can set myself on that will prop me up and tell me I'm okay. Give me a title. Give me a real life because I can't stand the pain of this place. He goes, no, don't do that. He goes, Hope. Anchor yourself to hope. Put your hope in God. Because He will help you. Now here's the challenging thing. I'm about to land. Here's the thing. God is definitely for your happiness. For sure. But... Your happiness only comes by going through brokenness. Only. What happens is we step close to brokenness. Everything starts shaking and trembling and breaking. And the reverberations of heaven start hitting us. And we know we're going to crack. And we go, oh, no, I can't do that. Whoa. That was close. I felt seriously I was close See Psalm 119 verse 20 he, he said this he goes my soul is crushed with longing my soul is crushed with longing crushed with longing crushed with longing I want rest in my soul. I don't want it crushed with longing. I guarantee you, the path to rest is through the crushing of longing. I guarantee. There's rest on the other side. There's rest on the other side of the wrestle. There's quiet on the other side of being disquieted. There's being uplifted on the other side of being downcast. But you'll never get uplifted. You'll never get quiet. You'll never get rest unless you go through those things. That's how it goes. 
I believe this, that the Lord is ready, so ready to set himself, set his eyes upon a people who will truly value brokenness, really value brokenness. He, he wants to be strong on behalf of a people that will find themselves broken before him, for real. He is after you, and here's what he's after you for, for your good, and, and that demands this, then he's after your brokenness. Definitely after your brokenness. He doesn't mind bringing you to longing to where you're in pain so bad that you ache and you are disquieted and in turmoil and wrestling. He doesn't mind doing that. Why? He's trying to crush you. Why would he want to do that? Because he wants to comfort you. You're not losing your mind. He wants to comfort you. He wants to quiet your soul. He wants to give you meekness, lead you in a path of righteousness. He wants to uplift you. He's got to take you through being downcast. On this one will I look. On him who is broken and contrite in heart. A soul that's crushed. He wants to help. Sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. A broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. Thus says the high and exalted one who lives forever, whose name is holy. I dwell on high and holy place with the contrite and lowly of spirit in order to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart or the soul of the contrite. Crushed and contrite are the same idea. Contrite is a stone that gets so broken down into fine powder, it's crushed. He's after your brokenness. I promise you it's for your good. He wants to satisfy you. You know what we've got to decide? That mourning is blessed. Mourning is blessed. Blessed are those who mourn. Do we believe that? I mean, for real, guys, we don't believe that. We don't believe that. Blessed are those who mourn. Who's got a palate for that? Who looks at the person that's living a life that's really living in mourning in soul? And thinks that guy's he's blessed. We don't think that. Honestly, we go, what's wrong with that guy? I'm not trying to be funny. I mean, that's what we do. We've got no palate for it. Who will sit in the place of mourning and not pull out because it got too painful? Who will go into mourning and go, I'm not coming out until I come out in comfort? Real comfort. See, this is prayer, beloved. You want to live a life in prayer? I guarantee you, you'll go through these phases. It's just part of the game. It's part of the path. You know what the antidote for your soul is when you're in mourning? Anchor to hope. You know what David said, he goes, I would have fainted 
unless I believe I'd see the goodness of the Lord while I was alive. Because I was looking for it while I was alive. I was looking for it in the age to come. Because I would have fainted had I not believed I was going to see it. You're not crazy. You're a little bit disquieted. You're a little bit downcast. It's okay. Worship team, come on. It's okay. Take courage. God will be the help of your countenance. Put your hope in God. I was thinking about some of the great intercessors and David Brainerd was on my mind and just thinking about when you read his journal and how messed up he sounds. You know, he just talks about how wretched he is before God and, and how, you know, melancholy his whole life is. And, and then he'll talk about he got up and ministered and God came with a little help. And 60 were hopefully converted. And then the next day he has a, you know, a decent prayer time. And then the next day he's gripped with a sense of his own wretchedness. What's going on with him? God's crushing him. So he can comfort him. He's breaking him. Why? So he can bring revival through him. You're not crazy. Your soul is disquieted. A downcast, disquieted soul is not sin. It's just part of it. It's just part of it. Let's just stand. There's comfort for the mournful.